RPG Academy presents... fifth edition actual play. Starring Michael as Arami Mott, Scott as Dane Seaborn, and Matthew as Cassandra Ziegengeist. Featuring Caleb, your game master. This actual play is supported by BattleBards.com. Party? Am I invited? Uh, uh, Captain, I, uh, I I didn't realize you were back in town, but yeah, I could I could make a place for you. Well, I certainly don't want to be a bother, but. Uh... I always like to know what my three favorite friends are doing. And he gives you kind of a, uh, a knowing wink. I knowingly wink back, because <laughs> I knowingly wink at anybody. Yeah, I think what the captain's saying is that we still owe him everything. So <laughs> so he, he just sits there drinking slowly from his ale. He's smiling, but he just kind of looks at each of you in turn and... Just waits waits to see what you're gonna do. Uh, so, Captain, uh, what brings you to uh, Warhammer Bay this time? Treasures, shipping, bounties, mermaids. Ah, Dane, no mermaids today. No, uh, I was dropping off a few packages that I had been asked to bring in discreetly. If you get my meaning, Army doesn't. And, of course, I had to uh, uh, get a few supplies and get ready for sailing back out probably in the next few days. Although, uh, I don't know about your fair-weather drinking habits. There was that one time you passed out and we had to take the ship, right? I, I, I quite remember rescuing the helm from that horrible storm that came up. We, we were on that island? You guys remember that, right? As soon as Dane mentions the island, he actually takes a little bit of a... Not harsh, but sharper look at you. And he goes, that island, huh? Man, I would, uh... I would sure like to find my way back there. You aren't the only one, sir. And and funny story, I, um... The, that, that, that cylinder that I found on the island appeared back in my pocket recently. Don't know what that means. Really? Yeah, and I reached down into my pocket to grab it out and show him. And of course, it's gone at this point. Son of a bitch. A guy can hope. So Dane comes up empty-handed, and a look of disappointment washes over his face. He um, nurses back into his ale and continues to debate the terrifyingly crazy shit that's happened to us all lately. Now that is interesting. It's been a, it's been a few months since we had our little adventure last time. Have any of you seen these treasures you've described for me since that time? No, Captain, I haven't seen mine. 
Hmm. This just gets more and more interesting. You know, I don't typically sail with a lot of crew, but I think if the three of you were to sail with me, we might be able to find something. How would you like to ship out with me this week? Oh, I mean, what leads you to believe that, Captain? What, what, uh, what sort of insider information do you have? I certainly know a lot of things, especially about this island. But my travels typically take me far and wide across this newfound sea of ours. And nothing ever so interesting happens as when I'm around here. And the three of you are around here. Well, I, uh, I can't speak with my com- for my compatriots, but I can say that I'm a pretty damn interesting fella. I would have to agree with that statement. Uh, Captain, if you are willing to take us on at, in your berth and uh, show us around for a while, I'm sure I could find someone to take care of my affairs while uh, I was gone. So I would be glad to have you, but I would, I would prefer my, if my friends were able to come as well. I know recently Army is um, without employment. As it happened, I am looking for gainful employment, but I could not leave until day after tomorrow at the earliest. So you are no longer working with the temple, Army? Uh, that is correct. Now, why might that be? It's a good question. And it's a long story. Cut to, and that's how it happened. <laughs> like, no, even the second telling, I, I don't get it. I think Army just lost her mind and quit her perfectly well-paying, safe union job all of a sudden one day. <laughs> nope, makes no sense. Speaking of well-paying union jobs, I'm still unsure as to how you sustain a living here, Dane. I uh, look over, leaning sort of over the table with with, uh, my drink, and I say, you know, I've I've had a couple drinks at this point, and um, my level of tact has been degraded by the horrible, unnatural things we've been seeing, and so I say, I'm kept. (laughs) A a man of my position is is given a stipend by the church, and uh, I supplement that with a little bit of light thievery, and and that's that's how I, I make all the money that I need. So as you guys are chatting back and forth, uh, Captain Gurmudgeon is still talking with Arami. So that's a that's a very interesting story. Did you happen to learn anything else about the temple during this adventure? Well, we learned that the uh, the head of their goon squad is a flaming bitch. Dang. Look up for my drink. What? Oh, gosh. Um, <clears throat> Pardon me, pardon me. She's a holy bitch. She is worthy of your respect. She's a powerful warrior and leader of the Firebrand. I'm starting to think that she's leader of not what all we think she was. I continue to have my drink. Well, personal opinion of the captain aside, nothing else you guys found out about the church? Nothing around, I don't know, the docks? The warehouses. So, uh, in, in, in the style that Dane would prefer, I don't explain anything using the actual facts of the matter or a specific reference to things that my party members have said or done in front of me. Rather, I uh, make up a ridiculous story involving uh, ninjas and uh, mermaids, land mermaids, that have legs and gills. They're terrifying. And uh, the, the, the story pretty much concludes that... that, 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 that Dane's going theory is that the the 
the head priestess is in trouble because the firebrands are doing something horrible and it involves a lot of smuggling and it also involves a lot of being a complete bitch and waking people up at perfectly reasonable hours to sleep. And, uh, therefore, I think the head of the Firebrands is responsible, and we should do everything in our power, our political powers, to subvert her within the town, ruin her reputation, and then drive her out with, uh, a lot of rumors and hearsay and conjecture about, uh, illicious deeds and, uh, non-church-like behavior. That sounds like a lot... That sounds like a much easier plan than actually finding out what's going on. Okay, so I'm gonna say what's happened here is Dane has launched into this giant monologue of explanation however he's had a lot to drink Mm -hmm. so this is that scene where the drunk is just kind of rambling and he thinks he's making a wonderfully clear sound argument but he's really just kind of slumped over in his chair mumbling and gesturing so So Dane is telling a great story, but no one else understands it. Have the have the have the mermaids have the corruption in the church. With with all of that happening, Captain Grimudgeon kind of looks over at Cassandra and Army, and he cocks his eyebrow, kind of implying that he's repeating the question, but not really taking the time to state it. It would seem that the shipwreck that we happened upon with these monsters may have been shipping some things that the firebrands found particularly interesting and there was a uh, a particular glyph on the the shipping but uh we did not um venture into what what it was or 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 why it was there so that's that's all that we, we know at this juncture. Now, Cassander, you're a smart fella. If I were to gamble, I would say you might have some books to research this kind of thing up there in your estate. I would, uh, I would definitely agree with that statement. Well, maybe in these next couple days before I ship out, you do a little bit of research. And then we'll have a talk and see if you want to... Set off on my voyage with me, and then with that, then we gotta, you know, plan evidence and 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 social grassroots, and then and then we'll we'll be the winners, you see, and and they'll be the losers, and then Tilly and I can be in love. I love Tilly, you guys. Oh, I love her so much. We need to find Dane's couch. Where is she? Captain Grimudgeon stands up. He uh, drinks the last of his ale, sets the cup down, and says, Well, I'm going to take care of some business. The three of you probably need to take care of some things here, too. We'll talk in a couple days. And he leaves the Sleeping Sphinx. So, I, I know we got kind of mixed up in that conversation, but Army, is he coming to your party or is he not coming to your party? I don't know. Okay, good. But you have enough room for one more, right? If he shows up, I mean... Sure, I guess. Uh, okay, I'm just... Good, I'm checking. Do you want me to bring, like, bean dip or something? Like, what am I... Should I... I'm gonna cook. <laughs> I'm a good cook. I make potatoes. 
You're gonna love them. <laughs> You're gonna love them. Just bring yourself. I'll I'll prepare everything else. I have I have quite a quite a lot of uh, coin that I've stashed away these last few years, and I don't care to splurge on my friends and family. Okay, I'm I'm excited. I haven't been to a to a to a house party since I left uh, my my own home. Okay, so the evening is wrapping up here in the Sphinx. What are you three going to do? I kind of want to make sure Dane gets to a place where he can sleep with his mouth in a direction that won't drown him in his sleep should something bad happen. Dane wants to make sure to to order another round for the house and put it on his kept tab. (laughs) (laughs) See, you thought kept was just what he is. No, kept is an acronym for an acronym. I like acronym. It's an acronym for keeping everything potentially tumultuous. Okay, so Dane orders drinks for the bar, and Cassander and Army help him back to his apartment. Yay! Yay! So with Dane uh, poured onto his couch, uh, the other two of you will head back off. Uh, let's let's jump to the next morning, and we'll take a turn with each of you talking about what the day entails before Aramie's party. So, uh, Michael, what is Aramie doing during the day in preparation for the evening's party? So Aramie's going to spend the morning uh, going to the marketplace and buying all the things that she needs for this party. And if it's not been abundantly clear, she doesn't really understand a lot of how this goes. So it's very likely she's going to get foods that don't really go together in any sort of way you know her her tableware is gonna be all mismatched and uh you know if anyone cares about those types of things it's probably going to end up being a very gaudy party Uh, but she is spending some coin on this uh you know so whatever it costs she will she will spend i'm also going to swing by the the blacksmith uh, shop or i guess like the weaponsmith and um commission a weapon to be made Based off of the dream that I had, uh, I want to actually have a Warhammer uh, made. I'm, I'm assuming there's probably some that are already there that I might be able to get, uh, you know, like off the rack, but then just with, with some aftermarket parts. And essentially, I just want uh, on one side of the Warhammer to have it engraved with uh, the, uh, the the image of Invar and the other with Kovar. While you're at that blacksmith, are you going to price out some armor too? Maybe, maybe... Uh... <laughs> Maybe that's what Dane and I will bring you as a housewarming <laughs> gift. Some fucking armor. What do you think, Dane? You We're think going, you got some you think you got some yes. coin left for that? We're going yes. on a sailing ship. I don't want to wear armor on a ship, you idiot. God damn it. I'm starting to think you really did take levels in monk and you're just trolling us all. <laughs> no, I'm just a terribly built character. Oh, God. God damn it. Fine, so, we'll drown you and make you rebuild a character that helps. <laughs> You'll be the captain. So going back to the blacksmith, did you want these faces on the actual striking edges of the Warhammer? Uh, Yes. Okay. That is definitely something that would be a custom job. There are plenty of Warhammers and other weapons and armor and shields that are uh, 
emblazoned with the faces of Invar, Kovar, and all the other saints in the Dwarven pantheon. But one such of that is actually really abnormal because it kind of messes up how the weapon works. Well, what I was thinking is like you'd have the hammer and then just on the striking sides, they would just engrave, you know, carve out. Oh, not, okay. Yeah, so it would. it's not like a, was a negative base relief or whatever. So it's just the carving. So you should be able to take an existing hammer and make it look like that pretty simple. So it's not like the faces are protruding from Yeah, the no, no, no. The no, faces no. are intruding. Gotcha. Okay, so you've basically commissioned him to engrave not just on the flank for decoration, but actually on the striking faces. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I would pick okay. out a, a you know very ornate looking one that maybe already has some symbology of that, um, and I'm willing to pay extra to make him or her, I guess, work on this quickly because I do want it before we would then potentially leave with the captain. So it needs to be the next day or two at most. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, there are a couple war hammers that carry the symbology of the forge with an anvil uh, engraved or, or mounted onto the sides of it. So one of those grabs your attention. And it doesn't cost that much more to have them do the work, but it does cost a little bit more to have her do it in the next couple days. But it's not astronomically expensive, so it happens no problem. Okay, so then I would uh, commission that. Again, I would spend the rest of my day at the marketplace and then um, I would probably go back to the house and just start preparing. My house is too small, so there will be a table set up outside of the actual home itself. And I probably got a mishmash of chairs, some that I've just newly bought, maybe some I've even borrowed from potential neighbors. And I'm just basically getting the, the house ready for guests. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, as we've talked about before, Tobin's house is very small. He lived by himself. This is basically a studio apartment but as a house. Uh, however, em- envision kind of that tropical style house where the walls could actually be not rolled back, but big chunks of the wall could actually be opened as a really large window. So there's still walls, it's still a house, but it- it's almost like there's a giant awning that you can prop up to trying open and air it out a little bit. Trying to think of the name of that. I can't remember what it's actually called, yeah. but that's the visual of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll call it the Dwarven Convertible House. A Dwarven Convertible House. There you go. It's a DCH. Common, so, common in, in the Warhammer Bay. Yes. Very common in Warhammer Bay on the Reforged Isles. Uh, everyone has a house like this. So while Arami is cleaning and setting up, she kind of props open these big chunks of the wall, these big sections, so it's more open and and aired out to bring in some fresh sea and jungle air. And that also helps with the fact that she needs to set up these tables and chairs really outside the house, but it still creates a sense of, it's a a house party, it's just we're sitting next to the house. Uh, With all of the cleaning and shopping and weapon ordering, that's going to take up really all of RME's day. Yeah, pretty much. So she will be wrapping up as the party is starting. So we'll we'll pause there. We'll come back in a second. Matthew, let's talk to Cassander. What's Cassander doing today? Well, Cassander uh, would probably have gotten home last night after putting Dane to bed and probably would have been thinking about what Captain Curmudgeon said about my books. And since I only need to uh, close my eyes for but a moment, um, I would probably have started looking things up right away. 
so I would have probably looked some stuff up and then probably meditated on that four hours later, woken up again, uh, looked over some other books, you know, fall down that rabbit hole for a few hours. And then by the time the sun started creeping up, I probably would have started my tasks with my, uh, with my critters and my, uh, and my, uh, my farm and everything. Um, then, uh, as sun was fully up, um, I probably would have, uh, went out and, uh, gotten some air, you know, uh, open up the windows, let the whole place air out and, uh, gone for a walk. Uh, then I would come back, uh, probably pick out a housewarming gift for Arme, uh, a nice bottle of, uh, of wine that I have. And, um, then I would, uh, think about, uh, going down to an armorer and buying her a goddamn breastplate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, during the day, is there anything specifically you wanted to research or investigate? Or just kind of general knowledge about the island and the area? I think I'm going to investigate the temple and the religion mm. more. Which I do definitely have a book on, if not many books and notes on. And I would be cross-referencing things that I would remember from the ship with things that I may have in the book or in my notes from previous, uh, you know. Okay, so this is actually a, a pretty lengthy process. So it's something you might have started during the night and then walked away from, came back to it during the day, walked away again, had that one moment of, oh, I remember this thing, and you come back to it. Yep, ADHD studying. I envision your library, you, you have a big table in the middle, mm -hmm. so you have maybe the, the main book you're using, and then you have your different scrolls and notebooks, and every time you, you think of something, you, you scribble a note on a new piece of parchment, and you kind of put it in between the things that it relates to, so you're building this whole map of, of notes and ideas during the day. To take uh, to take my mind off, like when I when I feel like I've I've studied myself into a corner, I would probably start looking at uh, some of the the bones and fossils that I have, trying to put them together, and maybe drawing out what I think the creatures look like, just to get my brain going in a different direction, so I could come back to the research with fresh eyes. So one of the things you find during all of your research, it's very easy to notice, but your research reveals how in-depth these facts are and that's that the temple is directly related to the financial business of the docks and shipping and receiving so everything that comes in and out of warhammer bay is handled through the uh, through the temple. They oversee everything financially. They're the ones getting paid. One of the other things you find out is that the temple workers are always very busy at the docks. And they're always very busy even at times when there are not 
shipments coming in and out. So there's not necessarily merchants there docked, selling their wares, taking a load off island. But the temple workers are always there in those big warehouses surrounding the docks. Mm -hmm. They're always busy. They always seem to be moving boxes back and forth to the temple. Which I, of course, attribute to unions. But you specifically realize that the level of work that they are doing, seemingly moving goods back and forth, does not match with when ships are there that would be selling or receiving these goods. Huh. And that stands out to you as odd. I will uh I will make sure I make a note of that on my in my travel uh notebook which will be coming with me so I can talk to this with uh the captain when I see him next. Other than that, you don't really see anything weird or out of the ordinary. Obviously in your studies, you've been looking at a lot of the flora and fauna on the island mm-hmm. and you have not been truly devoting yourself to investigating the people and places of the island. But you are an intelligent enough observer and studier that you've picked up on all these facts. I'm more interested in the the genetics of the people, not so much their, their society. Sure, sure. So this information is all kind of secondary, Mm -hmm. but now that you're focusing on it for this day, you're, you're paying a little bit more attention to it. Yes. Okay, so you spend the day researching, taking care of your estates. Uh, at the end of the day before the party, you'll you'll pick out that housewarming gift, the wine, and you'll head off to Aramie's house. Uh, we'll pick up there in a second. And Scott, let's go over to Dane. Uh, what... <laughs> Beyond sleeping it off, what... <laughs> has Dane been doing anything? Uh, yeah, you know, about the... Quarter to ten, he gets up, he stretches, scratches, um, and... Uh, He's completely nude. <laughs> of course. There's no shame in my dwarven body. <laughs> so I... Uh, Dane would, would uh, collect himself together and, and dress uh, rather nicer than he usually does, but, you know, usually he's a pretty snazzy dresser, and, and uh, then, of course... Um, He'd be in touch with with Tilly. He'd he'd go by um, her place early just to check up on her, see how she was doing, and and make sure she was still planning on uh, attending the party. See if you know logistics, right? Couple logistics like, do, are we meeting here? Are we meeting there? Are we you know it'd be awkward if we didn't show up at the same time. Let's make sure this works out. And then uh, so so having negotiated that, uh, uh, Dane goes back to his uh, apartment and begins preparing uh, food. He's going to bring a dish. He's going to bring his his famous. Uh, red rasher potatoes because uh, their quality has been brought into question as of late and so he's going to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that his proficiency in cooking tools is not misplaced (laughs) it's funny how similar cooking tools look to be killing daggers in Dane's kitchen oh it's for uh, you know the the noble background I I got a proficiency in a gaming set and I thought what's more gamey than Iron Chef for dwarves (laughs) 
So, uh, you know, he, he quickly uh, whips up something uh, just just absolutely magnificent and delectable, I'm sure, uh, after just a couple of failed attempts because of really bad rolls, probably. Uh, but he has time. And then uh, he goes down to uh, the town to... to uh, put down his half of the money on the breastplate we're getting uh, army because <laughs> god damn it <laughs> <laughs> all right and, and then so so after having uh, double checked on the manufacturing process for the lovely breastplate and, and maybe picking it up wrapped if it's available uh, i'll go pick up tilly and we'll go to the party okay so um michael when did this party want to start was it sunset was it just during dusk I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking like four o'clock. So it's, you know, it's not quite late enough past lunch. It's a little too early for dinner. It's that sort of awkward mid-time. Because you're too cheap to feed your guests. That That's the time you plan this party for? No, no, no I have food. I'm just trying to ex- explain that she's terrible at this. Um, so she just <laughs> planned it poorly. It's basically the worst possible time for a dinner party. Yes. It's too early for a dinner party, but it's too late for a lunch party. So people have probably already eaten, so they're not really hungry, but there's going to be a ton of food. Okay. So uh, so you're there getting everything ready. I'm going to say that Cassander, Dane, and Tilly show up at the same time. I feel that. All right. hey. we, we were almost on time. Because if, if we'd left it up to Tilly, we would have been. But I insisted on being tactfully late, which apparently the rest of us were too. So I want to say, though, that when you guys get there, you find that um, Army has attempted and failed spectacularly to, like, do something with her hair. And she's she's wearing makeup, but poorly. I will not say anything about that. And I will say, Army, you have done a wonderful job with both yourself and this place. I have brought you a magnum of uh, barley wine uh, from from my home. It's a uh, it's a it's a delicious year, and uh, you know, if if you want to pop it, you're more than welcome to, or save it for you know a special event. This is perfect. Thank you so much, Cassandra. I appreciate you coming, and and Dane, always a pleasure to see you and Tilly. It's been way too long since you and I have seen each other, and I'll go over to embrace Tilly. So Tilly, as your youngest sibling, oh, oh, is she? Oh, well, she's older she than a, me, but she's the youngest, yeah. oldest one. Is, right? she, is she a basic bitch? Oh man, is she gonna give it to her. <laughs> Tilly is pretending to be nice, but she's doing that thing where she says a compliment, but it's a really backhanded compliment. Everyone gets it except Army. Mm-hmm. So she'll say something like, yeah, Army, you look so much better than you usually do. Or, oh, Army, I thought you'd be slaving at those docks forever. It's so nice to see you not there anymore. Boy, lucky that one guy died. <laughs> or else you'd never have a place of your own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys all got there probably about maybe 10 or 15 minutes late. No one else is there yet. Uh, not even the band? Not even the band. Uh, Army, you you remember to get a band, right? That's, oh, no. I mean, oh. I mean. I can go now. Will you wait here? Uh, no, no, no. I'll, uh, look, I, um, I, I, I know how to play the spoons. I'm proficient in cooking tools. Let me play the spoons. Dane, <laughs> Tilly interrupts you. 
and uh, she puts her hand on your shoulder in a very particular way that Uh-oh. you know means she's telling you something super important, but she's going to say it in a really kind of passive-aggressive way. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, and she goes, Dane, I could really use a chair. Could you find one for me? Yes, yes, r- right away, Tilly. Um, please, I, I uh, awkwardly uh, push Cassandra off of his. Here, take this one. <laughs> And I would just like to say that I was, uh, like, feeding Shrike at this point, and I just <laughs> fall right on the fucking floor, and the, the hawk's like, Wah! and just, like, takes off. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll find another chair for, for Cassander and his, and his bird. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So, so Tilly takes the seat. Actually, she, she takes a second to brush it off. It's not dirty at all, but she takes that second to very pointedly look at Cassander, brush off the chair, and sit down. And she sits down with a very heavy sigh so that anyone listening knows she was really super tired and she's really happy to sit down. And it was such a, an exhaustive moment for her. I'll go behind her and I'll sort of, sort of lightly rub her neck in that way that I don't know if she doesn't not want to be touched. But, 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 you know, sometimes neck rubs are good, but, you know, it depends on the mood she's in and I can't quite guess. And so I'm, I'm just kind of lightly doing it so that, and waiting for that indication of like back the fuck up. That's inappropriate in front of my sister who I don't quite like. Or, uh, yes, my shoulders really hurt because you heard me heavily sigh because I've had such a long day. And let me tell you all about it while you pretend to listen. Tilly, would you like something to drink? Cassander has brought, um, something for us all. Before she even answers, I'll run off to get glasses. So she sighs a little bit and says to no one in particular, but loud enough that everyone can hear her, oh, it's not like I could drink that anyway, but I suppose I'll go without tonight. I don't expect her to have anything better. And Michael, as Arami is running back with mismatched goblets and glasses, a male dwarf walks up. And this is the dwarf that we actually saw way back in the Sleeping Sphinx at the very start of this adventure. And he he walks up, looks at all of you, looks at the house, scoffs in derision at what he's looking at, finds a seat and sits down heavily, and he just sighs. And he is very, very clearly unhappy to be here. So uh, as I come out and I see uh, Drogus coming this way, I'm going to like sort of absently push the drinks and goblets into Cassandra's hands, just sort of like almost half dropping them. If he doesn't catch them, they're going to fall. And Should then... I roll a die so we're playing a game? <laughs> we don't do that here. No. Okay. Uh, and then I'm oh gonna man, I just rolled the twenty. I totally caught everything, and it looked awesome. <laughs> Army, fuck! I'm the only one who saw, and I'm not impressed. <laughs> so then I'll uh, I'll run over to Drogus, and uh, I'll I'll stand there like open my arms up like I want a hug, and you know obviously he's not going to reciprocate, and then I just sort of slowly drop my hands down in front of me. And then I'll reach out to, like, take his hands. And then when he doesn't reciprocate, I'll kind of just, like, clap them together. And, like, it's so great to see you, Drogus. Thank you so much for coming. This means the world to me. 
I'm not here for you. I'm here out of responsibility and because our parents made me. Well, we're family, so so thanks for coming. Would, would you like something to drink? Uh, he sighs, and he looks at what you would be serving him. When he sees that it's actually a nice bottle of wine, he will take a cup. And he's very surprised that it was something so nice. It was Cassander. He brought this for us. Wasn't that so nice of him as I'm pouring? Ah, well, that figures. The only way something good around here comes from him, not you. Damn. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> and and then there's just that very awkward silence. Uh, Tilly is <laughs> Tilly is letting Dane rub her shoulders. Uh, and, and she nodded at Drogus when he walked up, but they haven't really had a conversation or an exchange. Cassander and Dane, you two are just kind of sharing a really awkward glance. Like, you you just don't know what to do or what to say, so you're just staring at each other, trying to figure it out. Yeah, I, I'm definitely staring at Dane swirling a... Uh, 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 I'm going to say... Um... A highball glass of barley wine, like, uh, I've smelled this for a minute and a half. I know what it smells like, but I don't know what else to do. (laughs) And I'm just not strangling my girlfriend, who's not usually (laughs) quite this bitchy, right? I'm just just not strangling her. (laughs) (laughs) You're ever so not killing her. Yes, yes. She's usually a normal person. Not strangling. That's how that goes. And as the silence is just getting unbearable, two more dwarves walk up. Uh, A very uh, handsome male dwarf, very old, uh, but he's still very fit and spry. He's not enfeebled in any way. Uh, He's got a, a long red beard with uh, with coppery hair, it's all tinged and shot through with gray. Uh, he looks very refined. He's a good-looking, older gentleman. Uh, he's holding the arm very properly of a very prim, very proper, very fine female dwarf. She is dressed in finery that does not match the situation. It, it, it's almost like she dressed to go to... Not a gala or a ball, but a very proper event, not just a house party that's kind of on the beach. And and they walk up. Uh, Tilly immediately stands up, and she goes over and takes uh, the hand of the female dwarf, and she uh, bows her head a little bit and, and raises her hand, uh, bringing the other dwarf's hand to her forehead and in a very proper but still kind of casual greeting. And you hear her say, Hello, Mother. It is good to see you tonight. I'm, I'm glad that they practice the traditional dwarf greeting of facepalm. <laughs> Drogus also stands at this point and he walks over to the male dwarf and he reaches his hand out in a, a proper... Uh, manly dwarven handshake and he says father it is good to see you in such a place as this 
at hearing that, Cassander will have emptied the highball glass that he has, and he will be refilling it. And he will look over at Dane and whisper to him, It's gonna be one of those nights. You have no idea. And I uh, reach my hand out desperately for... Uh... Uh, at first, just for the whole the, the 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 whole bottle, right? Which I will not give him. Yes, and and, and then I just get like a pint glass and and, uh, and fill I that pour up. and I fill it up for him. All right, so Army would run over to uh, to Drogon and Bellara, who are my parents, and I will. I mean, I'm not like rushing toward them, you know, like at the end of a '80s sex comedy movie, but uh, I'm definitely walking quickly towards them, and then I'll just come up short, and then I just. We'll kind of stand there awkwardly for a minute. I don't really know, you know, what to do. And then I'm I'm just going to reach out and hug Mother, whether she really wants me to or not. I'm just going to give her a big hug and and uh, kind of kiss her on the cheek before she can even, you know, try to wave me off. So this is the hug where you actually pin her arms at her side. Yes. <laughs> and those of you watching, she does that thing where she kind of holds her head and shoulders back a little bit. So it's very clear that she is awkward and uncomfortable with the situation. Uh, The hug goes on for maybe 10 seconds too long. Oh yeah, definitely. And at that point she's going, RMA, RMA, please. This is improper. I'll let go and I'll kind of lean back and I'll bring my hands down her arms until my hands grab her hands and we're kind of holding for a second. And if you can see Army's face, she's starting to tear up and she's trying to trying to fight it back. And she just says in almost like a squeaky, broken voice, yes, mother, I'm so happy to see you. And I'll, you know, look over at my father and then I'm just going (laughs) to grab him and give him the same hug. So the exact same thing happens However, he actually responds a little bit better. He doesn't hug you back, but he doesn't pull away. And when you finally let go, he actually does reach out and casually brush his hand on on your shoulder or upper arm a little bit. He kind of pats you awkwardly on... Yeah, yeah, on the upper arm. He's like, yes, uh... It is very good to see you, Army. Uh, I I understand that this is where you are living now, my dear. Uh, yes, this is this is my home. Please come come over. How rude of me! And I, I'm trying to enact some sort of you know. Tilly pipes up in the background. Yes, very rude. <laughs> please have have a seat. Um, you know, please, Father, at the head of the table, Mother. And uh, would you like some wine? Again, my, my good friend Cassandra has brought some barley wine from his estate. It's it's quite good, I understand. Bottle's pretty much empty at this point. I, w- I will pour the rest out for, for um, her parents, of course. Uh, Bilera does the same thing that Tilly did, brushes off the seat in, in a, just a, a pointless but very I'm-doing-this kind of manner and sits down... And uh, she says to Army, so these are the type of people you are associating with. You left your home at our temple and are hanging about with vagabonds like this. Oh, mother, (laughs) I've missed your wit. You know, Cassander and and Dane, of course. I mean, Dane's all but part of the family. Yeah, I look pretty aghast. 
you and Bilera have a very interesting relationship, Dane. The arranged marriage between you and Tilly is definitely one that she approved of from a financial and a family status. But because of your nature and background, it's almost like you are a novelty among some of the other dwarven families. So Bilera looks at this as something that she would get social disgrace from. So she's inverse racist for me. That the only thing she likes of me is the color of my skin. Yes. But she also she also doesn't like you for it because you're you're now bringing that into the family and she she thinks that it would also cast a little bit of negative light upon the family. Well, be blue and proud. So so she's always been very standoffish of you. Even though you know for a fact that she approved this arranged relationship. Because everything goes through the matriarch. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. I still look aghast and appalled, but uh, I keep not strangling my girlfriend. So at this point, no one else has shown up. Uh, it's It's getting to be about half an hour, 40 minutes past when the party started. And no one else has arrived yet. Um, so Army's continuing to make awkward small talk, which is probably mostly going un, uh, you know, unresponsed to. And at, at one point, I would even, I'd probably like would get up and walk down like the the little road uh, from my house, like the driveway equivalent, you know, the path to the main road, and kind of like look a couple times to see if anyone's coming. And then I would make my way back up, and I, I'd offer some apologies for the late guests, even though it's obviously it's not my fault. And I'd probably do this two or three times, just assuming that they're just, they're on their way. I might even ask Cassander if he would mind sending Shrike to scout to see if maybe they have some trouble along the road. Uh, I would acquiesce that request. And once the bottle was uh, kicked, I would probably wait a few beats and then I would uh, begin to search Arme's dwelling for more uh, social libation because uh, this party is going to need it. I have stocked the bar with whatever is the probably like the equivalent of $4 wine you get at a Rite Aid. <laughs> just, just racks of Thunderbird. Ooh. Is, is there a dwarven equivalent of Pap's Blue Ribbon? Yeah, Pap's Blue Ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> in, in in squat eight ounce cans. Yeah, exactly. Like little tuna cans of beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, mother, have you heard from Thamir or Indergard? Uh, are they coming? Kata. As soon as you mention your sisters, Arami does not notice this, but Tilly's face lights up with this delighted kind of twisted expression and she almost starts to speak but Belara shoots her a look and she immediately shuts up and uh, Belara turns to to you Arami yes dear your sisters are coming but they had a prior engagement at the last minute and it was 
very, very important. I'm sure they will be along very shortly. I I, I don't mind to wait. Uh, should we should we eat now or should we wait for them? I, I don't want you to go hungry. Drogon kind of pops up and and, and uh, he says, "Oh, I I I wouldn't mind something to eat." Uh, but Bylara kind of shoots him a look, and he stays in his seat. Uh, Bylara would definitely be expecting to be served. You know, she expects this to be a, a proper event, and Arami just has no knowledge of that. I I will uh, definitely get up and serve uh, everybody who wants to be served a heaping portion of my magical red potatoes. And I, I, I know how to correctly plate things, too, and uh, set out silverware, so it's it's not that far from something that would be inappropriate. So Bylera would kind of pick at the food, uh, as would Drogus. He would just kind of shove it around the plate. Drogon, though, Aramis' father, would definitely not tuck in, but he would enjoy eating a little bit. So after a few minutes of food banging around and being served and, and plates being clattering around on the table by Lara, who has not been eating at all. Well, no, I, I take that back. She, she would have done the thing where she takes one tiny little bite on a napkin and eats it and then puts the rest down very clearly that she doesn't like it. And she turns to Tilly and says, Tilly, darling, I expected you to be with your sisters today. And Tilly looks back and sighs heavily and says, Well, mother, there is something that has kept me from doing that with my sisters. And I stand proudly beside her. I guess this is just as good a place as any, but Dane and I are expecting child. I've I've got this kind of like half proud, half shit eating grid look. Like, yeah, that, that, that's right. That, that happened. <laughs> and I'm just like this. Yeah. I just put my drink down and I pick my notebook out and I just start writing things. <laughs> Army would would just sort of go. That is so great. And I'm just super excited. And I would rush over and try to give her a hug. And if she pushes me aside, I would embrace Dane and give him a big hug. Definitely that one armed, like still thumbs up with the other hand. <laughs> yeah. So Bylara would drop whatever she's holding, gives Tilly a look Wait, of... Cassandra catches it, right? Oh, sure. Of course. <laughs> she would give Tilly a look of just pure shock and shame and she's doing that kind of sputtering up uh, what i what I, I i don't i don't believe what not even really responding drogan would actually have a look of pride on his face and he might not return dane's thumbs up but he would give him a little bit of a, a friendly nod i'll uh i'll i'll, I'll five him later when the ladies aren't looking Oh, yeah, when, when there's no one around, the high fives will happen. Uh, but Drogus will actually stand up very quickly, knocking over his chair. And he would approach Dane kind of threateningly. And would say, how dare you before the wedding? This is absolutely not to be accepted. And, and he's 
he's not coming to hit you, but he's definitely expressing a big brother, this is improper kind of thing. Now, I, I understand how you feel, but you have to have understood how I felt, how we felt. And the answer was very good. A lot. Like, all the time. He's going to pull back a fist to hit you at that. <laughs> I would step in the way. Drogus, behave yourself. This is a joyous day. Dane is a great man. He's a chosen. <laughs> he is of the sea, and he's now part of your family. You should welcome him with your with open arms. Little sky blue chillins. His little blue balls. <laughs> I have I have gotten to page three at this point. <laughs> so, at at that, Drogus will drop his fist, turn away in disgust, walk down that little driveway pathway that army had been walking back and forth on before he'll stop at the end and look and you see him looking off not into the distance but kind of around the corner and when he turns back he has this grin on his face and he says oh our sisters are here and he comes back and sits down Oh. and after a second you hear uh, footsteps on the path, and uh, a second later, five uh, female dwarfs walk down the path, not marching and not quite in lockstep, but they're all walking together. They're all walking very quickly. And they all walk up. Bilera stands. Drogon stands. It is Armie's five other sisters. They are all wearing the armor and symbols of firebrands. All right, so army rec clearly recognizing this armor would still just have a wash of of uh, motion on her face but just a a pleasure of excitement and I would rush over to my sisters and and congratulate them. I mean just like I'm so proud of you. I can't I can't even imagine how you must feel and and there's probably a, a tinge more sadness in, into her voice than usual, but she's still truly happy for her sisters for achieving this. So as Army is saying this to all of her sisters, again, she is trying to be very affectionate and welcoming to them. They are holding themselves very proper and at attention like a soldier would. So they're not really responding at all. Uh, they speak with you and they respond when when you greet them and say their names and that kind of stuff. But they definitely do not respond in like of trying to hug you back or anything like that. All right. So after, you know, a second or two of this, I'll be like, please come sit down. We, we've been waiting for you. We have food and, and drink and uh, please. And and Tilly has some wonderful news. I'll I'll let her share. So Tilly would... Tilly would share the news as well. The sisters would react with a little bit more warmth than Bylara did. But when she hears it again, Bylara would be very, very upset. Your five other sisters do not actually sit down. They stand around the table. Uh, and at this point, pretty much everybody is standing except Tilly. I kind of like to think that Army has sort of dropped almost unthinking into like a servant's role 
like these are all high pollutant people. They have their issues and no one's really paying attention to me. So I've started, you know, getting food and drink and napkins and, and they're treating me like a, like a servant. They don't even acknowledge me, but I'm giving them wine and food and they're having conversations amongst each other as if I'm not even there. Yeah, that's absolutely happening. And as Bailera speaks with everyone, she speaks very loudly and clearly so that she is heard over anything else. And you hear her saying things along the lines of, yes, yes, we are so proud that everyone in our family has been chosen for such a great honor. I only wish that Tilly could have joined in. I am so sad that she chose such a life instead of serving our gods at this temple. And Tilly just snaps back with this snappy bitchy comment well mother not all of us want to be part of the temple proceedings some of us want to live our own lives and they have this little bitch fest back and forth and drogan just has that look on his face where he lets it happen because he's seen it so many times and he actually wanders off with drogas and they walk maybe five or six paces away and they're having a little father-son chit chat and they're doing that thing where they're, you know, he puts his arm around Drogus' shoulder and they're walking around a little bit and they're sharing fatherly advice, that kind of thing. Uh, they're having a great time. A- at some point during this argument, the oldest sister, Famir, speaks up a little bit louder. Please, please, mother, sister, this is not the time to repeat this argument. We are, and there's a very long pause here to see Aramis' house and and just kind of lets it hang in the air a little bit. And there's a little bit of under-the-breath laughter from the other sisters. If you guys, like, everyone looks over and Aramis actually, like, inside the house now. She's starting to do dishes. Like, so she's actually now starting to clean up. But she's still smiling. Like she's looking out through this, you know, dwarven convertible house and she's just looking at her family and she's just beaming with uh, with with joy at having them all at her house well yeah from from army's perspective this is her entire family including her twin brother at their house at her house for the first time ever i also like to think that at some point shrike has come back with another bottle of wine and cassandra just like takes it (laughs) takes it he's just (laughs) completely just watching in amazement and and on to page 12 of his uh, detailed notes. <laughs> Sociological impacts of island aquatic dwarves and their familial relations. That's actually what I'm writing right now. That's, that's going to be the name of the piece. A, a participatory study of dwarven socioeconomics. So it's gone on for really only about half an hour since everyone has showed up. And, and these events have been happening. The, the, the noise is starting to die down a little bit. No one was really eating that much. Cassandra and Dane were drinking. But not that many other people were partaking too much. After a particularly long pause in the conversation, Bailera speaks up a little bit. Well, uh... Is there really anything else keeping us here tonight? Is there any 
entertainment? Is there anything that we can do here? I, I reach for my spoons. And she shoots you a dirty look. <laughs> As oh. does Tilly. So Army would, would come out of the house. I've got like a dish towel over my shoulder. I've, you know, I've been uh, scrubbing pots and dishes. And uh, I would say, I, I'm so sorry, Mother. I did not provide any entertainment. I did not even think of that. But we could we could tell stories and, and, and sing songs. I, I, you know, I, uh, I just like to visit. You know, I just, I just like having you guys here. It's, it's nice. And Balera scoffs at that a little bit and starts to take in a breath to say something. And at this point, Drogon actually puts his hand on her shoulder. And he says very quietly, she is trying, dear. Maybe we could spend some time here or invite her over to the estate at some point. And Bylera just shoots him the worst possible dirty look that you could imagine. It's the kind of thing that a Gorgon could only dream of. <laughs> and, and she snaps back. Anyone who chooses to leave the temple after a lifetime of care and service deserves everything that she has. I am blessed, Mother. And Drogon just kind of shakes his head. And Bylera is kind of fuming at this point that he would even seem to take your side in this, even though he was barely doing anything. Bylera is just angry to all get out. Tilly is loving this. Tilly's kind of <laughs> laughing, as is Drogus. The Those two are really enjoying what's happening here. The other sisters are participating in the conversation when it's required, but they're also not standing around at attention, but they're very proud of their uh, recent appointment as firebrands. And they're kind of comparing things and talking and making sure their armor and, and their symbols are all nice and shiny. After this big exchange by Lara actually starts to storm off away from the house. And uh, Drogon chases after her, uh, trying to call her back. But uh, they end up standing at the end of this driveway, walkway, pathway leading up to the house. And they're having a conversation slash argument, not quite loud enough to make out, but you can definitely tell they're arguing. Uh, and as they are standing there, Another figure, a young male dwarf, runs past them, sprinting out of breath. And he runs up to the group of sisters who are firebrands. And he stops in front of them, uh, skidding to a halt a little bit. He's panting, he's out of breath, and he hands a small scroll to Famir. She pops the wax seal, she opens it up, she reads it very quickly, and she turns to her sisters and says, we must return to the temple immediately. And all five of them just take off at a run. Uh, did the party just end? Look around. One moment. <laughs> 
putting my glass down. Yes, the party is over. Tilly snaps some comment, not like it was much of a party anyway. I, I, I pat her gently on the shoulder, knowing that she will not be herself for at least the 22 months that uh, dwarven gestation takes. Ugh. <laughs> 20 months? Twenty-two, I think. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I, I've never been a pregnant dwarf, but that seems pretty reasonable. They lived about what two hundred, right? Just, just you know, ballparkish. Let's see. They reach maturity at sixty. I, I'm guessing. I don't know. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm really looking forward to that sea voyage, fellas. I whisper underneath my breath as I take a very pregnant uh, Tilly uh, to get to her feet and help her gingerly back to her parents' house, where she continues to live. Going back to the the firebrands all took off. Is the note still around? Did they drop it? Does the the male dwarf servant still have it? You know what? Yeah, uh, Famir would have tossed it back at the the male dwarf, and he's just a boy. I mean, he's uh, he's in his teens, so she would have tossed it back at him when they took off. So I would uh, I would call him over. What what's happening? And and he's still. Uh, he's still worn out a little bit. They just, they sent me over to, to summon all the firebrands back. They, they sent messengers all over the island. There's, there's something going on. It's something terrible. I'll just hold out my hand. I'm not going to say anything, but I'm just going to sort of hold out my hand to see if he'll, like, you know, instinctively just hand me what he has. You know what? I'm going to say he actually would give it to you because... You grew up in the temple. He grew up in the temple. He knows who you are. This was probably one of the younger kids, not one of the kids you saved, but one of the younger kids who is part of the temple life. And obviously, Army has, has been there for her entire life. So he trusts Army. So, so yeah, he, he would actually give it to her. All right, and then I'll read it. What does it say? Okay, so, yeah, you open the note and you read it. And it says, just two lines of text, report to temple immediately, squadron of Ithalix ships on horizon. Do I know the name Ithalix? No. Uh, do I know the name Ithalix? No. So I would look over at Cassander. There must be something urgent for them to summon all the firebrands. Perhaps we should go and offer our aid. I think that's a smashing idea, Army. And I take two steps away from them, and I go like this. Shake it out, guys. Sober. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I do my magic spell, which is one, two, three. Sober up. And then we shoot off. And then I would go over to Dane and say, Dane, please take Tilly home and see to her and to yourself. You're... You're going to be a father now. Perhaps you should leave this type of thing behind. I, uh, yeah, let me, well, I give a holler from, because I've been taking her home for quite some time. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, uh, drop her off at home, and I definitely won't see you guys later. And I certainly won't meet you around that really tall tree about, uh, 40 paces from the harbor that we sometimes hang out at. Definitely won't meet you there. Okay, and... Be thinking of names, and remember, twins run in our family. I, uh, cringe deeply and <laughs> continue over. marching. He just stops walking. 
She's still walking. He stopped. Oh, God. All right. So I um, I would basically rush over to to my house and, you know, close up the garage, uh, grab my uh, my cudgel. And I would actually, I would take a moment and I would look over at the table and chairs and, you know, the pieces and parts of the party that haven't been put up yet. And, and I would actually kind of get a smile. And, you know, if you had that moment of inner monologue, you could hear Army say, not too bad for my first house party. And then I would grab Cassander and we'd start heading off towards the shore. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGAcademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize, but we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.